You know what that sound is? That's a goat, because this is the greatest podcast of all time. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. That one's better. <laughs> take two. You guys aren't going to hear take one. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend, Walker Howe. And our guest today is Alex Graves, a returning guest. Very thankful to have him back on the podcast. Uh, last time he was on was for season three looking at the nature of salvation. And here we are in season four, and we're so thankful to have you back, Alex. Season four, we're looking at apologetic issues, and today, specifically, we're going to be looking at the relevancy of the Bible. Is the Bible relevant? But before we get into that, Alex, we're going to give you a chance to reintroduce yourself for those at home. All right, well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me again. I enjoyed this last time, so I'm, go I'm going to enjoy it again this time. Literally hope. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I hope so. This and, and hopefully you guys like me enough the second time as well. Um I'm Alex DeGraves, again. Uh I'm a good buddy of the other two guys here and I mean we're I mean we're all in the same department, so I mean we Yeah. Yep. Alex is a, a Bible major with us here at Trade Hardman. About to graduate, which I'm still mad at him for hey, because he's graduating before I am. Hey, but I'm going for my master's though. Yeah, you're still going to get your master's yes. before I finish school. I'm still going to be here. Actually, no, it'll take me about three years. When do you graduate? I graduate in May, but oh, wow. I'm going to start my master's in the in the in the fall. Okay. Anyway, point is. Yes, I'm here. I am a guy. Who you are a guy. Yes, I'm a guy. <laughs> I I hope at least. That's a great start. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. I can't really say too much um on that. I'm just here. I mean last time I advertised some social media I had, but I haven't really done much with that, just out of work and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um And that's alright, but like we yeah. said, we're we're thankful to have you back on the show. And as we mentioned earlier, this is part of season four where we're looking at apologetics issues. We're looking at defending the faith, making sure that we understand why we believe what we believe. <laughs> And today's topic, I think, is pretty important. But before we can get into the topic itself and why the topic matters, we, of course, have to define our terms. It's a favorite phrase of us around here. So, Alex... It's a staple of our podcast. It's a staple. It's a staple. I like staples. We know. It's, it's, become, <laughs> it's becoming a problem. Uh, and that, that's, for legal reasons, that was a joke. Yes, um, very much so. <laughs> but anyway, Alex, oh would, would you go ahead and... Oh, dear. I really hope we can get our focus on for the rest of the podcast. All right. All right. Serious time. The term of today, the term of today, um, trademark, is relevancy. It's the whole entire thing we're kind of focusing on for today. And relevancy, when we're talking about with the Bible, is very interesting because it means that the Bible is timeless in nature. Uh, it's also time-bound. So, what we mean is that it's timeless in nature. Everything we see in the Bible, we can draw application from the text and apply it to our lives today. Now, of course, there's going to be some things in the Bible that are specific to that time period, and that's what we mean by time-bound. For instance, the epistles of Paul, for instance, 1 Corinthians, written specifically to that church, there's going to be things in that letter specifically talking to the Corinthians, but doesn't mean we can't draw the application necessarily from that. So that's what we mean by relevancy. It was written a long time ago, but we can still draw application today. 
right? And I, I really appreciate you, Alex, bringing up that point of the Bible is both timeless and time-bound. Because like you said, the truth of God's word has always and will always remain the same. God's word is true. We can talk about that and we can prove that in other episodes. But of course, today the focus is just making sure that we understand that the Bible is still relevant for us. It was not just some ancient document that is still around for some reason that you know, we don't have to listen to. The Bible is relevant. The Bible is important. The Bible matters. And what the Bible says matters. But like you said, Alex, we, ought, we have to make sure that we are looking at the Bible with, as some people call it, our first, first century glasses or our ancient Israelite glasses. Because whatever, when we're reading in the Bible, like you said, Alex, we have to understand the context. Mm-hmm. We have to understand who was writing, why were they writing, who were they writing to, and when were they writing. If we can understand those questions and, and figure out what was going on, you know, why did the writer write this? Who was the writer writing to? What were the experiences of the writer? You know, all those kinds of questions. Then we can actually understand what the Bible is saying both to the original audience, and like I said, we can make application for our own lives as well. I really appreciate the, the message of the First Corinthians that you brought up, or the, the illustration of First Corinthians, Corinthians that you brought up, because there's a lot of great material in First Corinthians that we can learn, and that we can have shape us and guide us in our walk with God. But there's also a lot of things, like you said, Alex, that were specifically written for that local congregation that was having a lot of issues. Uh, maybe a big one is the nature of worship there. The Corinthian church had an issue with people speaking at once during worship, people trying to prophesy over each other or speak in tongues over each other. And of course, we understand in today's day and age that the time of miracles has passed and so that is no longer an issue for us. Right? We're not going to have to worry about people prophesying over top of each other anymore because God has not given the gift of prophecy to anyone anymore. We don't need it. We have the scriptures. And we have other episodes on the show talking about this kind of thing. Uh, specifically, Holy Spirit and Miracles, which is coming out also in Season 4. We did a two-parter with Lance Mosier, so make sure you, you go listen to that. But we can look at what Paul says in, that, uh, in, that, in 1 Corinthians for the order of worship and apply it to our worship today. And, you know, not have people speaking out of churn, you know, having a set leader, an organizer, right, in order to make sure that our worship goes smoothly and that we're not distracting ourselves from what's really important. Mm -hmm. So very, very good points, Alex. Very thankful for that insight. And, you know, like we said, the Bible is relevant, right? Even though it was written thousands of years ago, we can know that, A, that it's still the what was written originally, right? We, we can go back and we can look at the original language and we can translate it into English. And we can also see that it is still relevant. It's not, you know, some ancient fairy tale like the Odyssey or, or something like that. It's not a Greek myth. This is real, this is important, and this matters. Very true. And, you know, we, we talk about how it's relevant, um, and but um, y'all both bring up some very good points. And you know, we we talk about relevancy, and we talk about how the Bible is here, and it's here for us, and we need to follow it. But uh, you know, there there may be some people out there who may say that the Bible is not relevant, and which if it wasn't relevant, then there would be no need to follow it. But I think Isaiah and Alex have both done a great job at proving just within the first few seconds that. 
the Bible is relevant for us today, and it has a lot of things that we can take from it um, if we truly believe that it's God's inspired word. And so this is another shameless plug to check out uh, The Inspiration of Scripture, which came out earlier this season, and uh, check that episode out um, as we talk about uh, is the Bible actually from God, uh, who wrote it, things like that. We also did an episode over the authority of Scripture, uh, talking about God being the authority over Scripture and things like that, and some uh, and some issues that could arise there. So if you're still in doubt about where the Bible came from or uh, who it came from, then we encourage you to check out previous episodes before you listen to this one, and it may give you some better clarity on those things. Um, but because the Bible, because of the Bible, um, we don't have to rely on ancient things or other documents. You see in prehistoric, well, I say prehistoric culture, in Bible time, we'll just put it that way. In Bible time, they had, they didn't have the Bible like we have it today. They had, uh, they had, what do you call them, scrolls that they read from, and they didn't have the convenience of going to book, chapter, and verse to read things that Jesus said or to read things that the Apostle Paul was writing or things like that. All of these were documents that they had to go and locate on their own. And so a lot of times it wasn't readily accessible to pull up on their mobile device or anything like that in those times. And so uh, the relevancy for us today is easier to access because, I mean, we have the Bible in the most simplistic form possible. We have it uh, very laid out for us, and we don't have to do much work to find certain things in Scripture. Yeah, we may not know where something is, but we can easily look it up very easily and find it um, a lot quicker than what people in ancient times could. And so... A big benefit to uh, to the relevancy of the Bible is that you know we don't have to rely on other documents to help us locate the actual truth. We can find it in all one consolidated source. And in addition to that, the idea of having the Bible as as we believe it, and we'll talk about further in a few seconds, God's inspired word. We believe the Bible to be inspired by God. Again, reference back to that podcast episode we did, I believe, with Sawyer Reed, mm-hmm. but. You know, the idea is the Bible is not outdated, right? That's a thing that a lot of people have raised against the Bible, against Christians, is that the Bible is outdated, that Christians are old-fashioned, and that we need to change to be with the times. I think the Bible calls us to be the exact opposite, right? As Christians, as the church, we are called to be set apart, called to be different from the world. And at that point, or at this point in our lives, that means claiming the Bible is still true, still accurate, and still relevant today. And so, you know, we're not following some, you know, ancient custom from another nation or something like that. We are following God and his word. So that's important for us to think about when we think about the idea of, is the Bible relevant today? Is the Bible still needed today? And that's what we're going to be doing for the majority of the rest of this episode is trying to look at ways that the Bible is relevant, things that the Bible does for us, things that we can learn from the Bible that are still relevant today. And we already mentioned the first one, the fact that the Bible is God's inspired word. Alex, I assume that you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3 right now. So if, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and read verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, please. All right, from the New King James Version, it reads... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you, Alex. Mm -hmm. So Paul there is writing to Timothy and says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All right, so that's the first point. 
The Bible is relevant because it is God's inspired word. These are the things that God wanted us to know. And I also want to mention that the word inspired there is very interesting because within the text, another way to translate that is breathed out. That the word is breathed out. That God put his breath into it, similar how he put his breath into man when he first created them. So this has life. The Bible itself has life, not in the same way we think of life. But holds life as in, again, it still applies to us today. It still is a living piece of, well, literature, but God's word Mm -hmm. to last throughout time. That's a really, really good point, Alex. And adding on the analogy of God breathing out the word, as some translations use, I think really helps us understand better that this is God's word, right? When we talk, when I'm talking right now, I'm using breath and I'm expelling the breath with sound. That's how we get words, right? The Bible is God's inspired word. He breathed it out, right? This is what God wanted us to know. So excellent point, Alex. Thank you for bringing that up. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is God breathed. And Paul says it is profitable for doctrine, right? So the Bible teaches us what we are supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, what we are supposed to believe, what we're not supposed to believe. It gives us those guidelines. The Bible is also profitable for reproof, right? To do what we're doing now, to go back in and prove that God is who he says he is, that we should be doing these things. For correction, if we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, then we can look to the Bible and say, oh, well, the Bible says this, but I'm doing that. So I need to stop doing that and do this. So Bible is God's inspired word. Bible is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness is the fifth one, right? So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's five reasons right there why the Bible is relevant because it is God's word and he, in, in God's word, he tells us how to serve him, how to follow him, how to worship him. And there's a five-point sermon, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. If you're, if you're looking for a sermon outline, there you go. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, how is the Bible relevant? There you go. So that's the big one right there. And, of course, we can look at you know the authority of God and the authority of Scripture, and we have looked at those things in other episodes. But... You know, these past, this passage right here tells us that the Bible is God's word. God's word changes us and it tells us how to live. It's not, you know, a strict set of rules that, you know, check them off the list. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs, the old song says, right? It's the idea of God wants the best for us. And he knows what is best for us. And so this is him instructing us on how to do what's best for us. It's not, you know, a totalitarian emperor or, you know, king or whatever, just imposing power and and strict rules on us that are impossible to follow. That's not what this is. This is God the Father laying down guidelines for his children so that they can live the best way possible and that they can 
go and be with him in heaven for all eternity. Any thoughts or comments on this topic, gentlemen, before we move on to point number two? You know it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really hit pretty much everything with that. Um, and executed the passage perfectly. Yeah. You're really good. That, that was that was Paul and the Holy Spirit, but thank you. Uh, but point number two, how is the Bible relevant? Well, number one, it's God's inspired word. Number two, the Bible includes stories about people who are having the same troubles or issues that we face today. Mm-hmm. The Bible helps us understand that we are not alone. I know personally in my own life that there's been times where it felt like I'm the only person going through something, right? That my situation is so unique and different that there's no way that anyone else has any understanding at all of what I'm going through. But that's not true. Because there, in, in, all, in all reality, and this is not meant to, to demean or, or diminish, rather, this is not meant to diminish anyone's experiences or feelings, but those experiences that you felt alone in, where you felt like no one else could understand, that's not true. Because I guarantee you there's someone probably in your own life, someone that you're close to, that's gone through, at the very least, something similar. And even if, in the very, very rare circumstance where that's not happened, you have stories in the scripture where it happened, and you can see how people of faith responded. Mm -hmm. Have you ever lost a loved one? So did Jesus, right? In John chapter 11, he lost one of his closest friends, a man named Lazarus. And in that passage, we are told that Jesus wept because he was saddened about the loss of his friend. Of course, we we know the, the story that Jesus went and rose the man back to life and gave him his life again. But the point is that Jesus understood that. Uh, have you ever felt betrayed by a, a close friend? Have you ever felt like your friends you know, did you dirty? Jesus did too. One of his closest followers named Judas Iscariot sold him into the hands of his enemies for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus gets it. The book of Hebrews says several times that Jesus went through some of the same things that we go through. Jesus has been there. People like Moses and Job and David in the Old Testament had just incredibly difficult circumstances to go through. And we can go through and we can talk about each one of those. We can talk about people like Esther. We can talk about Paul in the New Testament. People who have suffered because they have done what's right. But the point is that the Bible reminds us that we are not alone. That we are not the only ones to experience this. Uh, interesting point I wanted to bring up with your first example with Jesus of Lazarus's death. Um, in the Greek, the because as we know, there's the Jews weeping and other people weeping, and then Jesus wept as well. Fun little thing. Those types of weeping were not the same. Exactly. Now, the weeping that the Jews at the time were doing uh, is more of that outward crying type of weeping. It's what we might think of just like, maybe like tears and our stuff, like crying out. The type of weeping that 
Jesus did on their hand. And we kind of get context clues as well around it. When it says that Jesus groaned in himself, this type of weeping that Jesus was going through was a type of weeping almost on the inside. Hmm. One that kind of shook him to his core where he was grieving and just, we might say, troubled. Like at a state of depression? Yeah, almost like that, yeah. And so it's very interesting because his weeping was something that really shook him. And there might have even been tears from him as well. There probably was. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting to know that Jesus has gone through that type of hardship that wasn't all just an outside thing it was some there were times when Jesus just felt awful on the inside too mm-hmm. so I think that's very comforting to know as well that we can't see an example of something like that in scripture absolutely that that gives a little bit more power to that passage I think yeah. so thank you Alex for bringing that up you know it just goes back to the point that the Bible is relevant because it has stories, it has narratives of actual real-life people who were going through actual real-life problems and what happened. How did they get through those things? You know, I remember about this time last year, maybe a little bit later into, into spring when we're recording, but uh, about this time last year, I was going through just a really, really rough patch mentally. I'd been feeling betrayed by some of my closest friends course you know looking back at it wasn't really a betrayal at all but that's how it felt in the moment Mm -hmm. um and i remember hearing a lesson about you know just uh, jesus and and judas and their relationship and i was i was just about crying there in the auditorium because i had forgotten that jesus had felt like that at some point and that reminder for me was just incredibly helpful because, you know, it's it, it just reminded me of the fact that, you know, it's okay. Jesus went through the same thing, right? Jesus felt betrayed by some of his closest friends. Jesus said, the world hated me, and so the world's going to hate you too. We're going to suffer, but it's going to be okay as long as we keep our faith in Christ because we have a home in heaven that's promised to us with no pain, no tears, no sorrow. And so, you know, whatever you're going through in life, whether it be, you know, you're grieving over a loss of a loved one, you're grieving over maybe the sin that you've committed, you're grieving over how someone has treated you, someone in your life knows what that's like. And more times than not, are going to be willing to help you through it. And even if you can't, Find someone in your life to talk with this about. You can probably find someone in the Bible who went through something very similar. And how God was right there with them the entire time. That's point number two. How is the Bible relevant? Well, it tells us that we're not alone. Both in the sense of this universe, right? There is a God in this universe. But more than that, that he is with us individually when we're going through those very, very difficult times. Any other points, questions, comments on point number two. I think that segues perfectly into the next thing that we're going to enter into, you know, talking about 
how uh, the Bible tells us about God's plan for us, but there's going to be many things in, uh, in, in, the, in our lives today that are going to distract us from that plan, that are going to try to take us off of that plan. And it's really all a part of the devil's scheme to get us off track and to prove to us that we are alone and to prove to us that, you know, the Bible's not relevant. But I think First uh, John chapter 2 is a great place to go um, because it tells us one of the root problems, uh, really narrows it down to three root problems within the world today. So First John chapter 2, beginning of verse number 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is up from the world. And the world is a passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here's another sermon if you're looking for a sermon outline on Sunday. Three, three verses, powerful lesson. What happens when you love the world? Well, number one, you realize that the Father is not with you. Uh, you realize that you're disconnected from Jesus, and whenever you're disconnected from Jesus, you have a hard time understanding the relevancy of Scripture. You have the hard time understanding what, why you're going through things in life. What's causing you to be distracted from Jesus? What is it that's holding you back in your life? Well, it's either one of three things. It's the desire of the flesh, desires of the eyes, or the pride of life. And so you got to determine for yourself which one of these three uh, is holding you back. And then what happens whenever uh, what happens whenever you feel discouraged, whenever you feel upset, whenever you feel disconnected? Well, the comforting statement is, is that uh, in the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of the Father or the will of God abides forever. So if we decide to go back on God's will and we decide to follow Him, we can abide forever and we don't have to worry about the cares of the world. And so it's just a beautiful passage that John writes to us. And if y'all have any other points to add to that, um, then uh, it, it's a beautiful passage that shows to us that, you know, yeah, there's going to be things in the world that are going to try to stop us from serving God. But if we abide in God forever, He can lead us to great destinations. You know, it's interesting when we look at this passage, and I'm going to come back to this point as well, but Satan, like you said, Walker, his game plan is laid out for us. Um, and when we look at those things, the desires of the flesh, right, things that the body needs, things that we crave, uh, things that make us you know, feel good, desires of the eyes, things that look good, things that we want, things that we, again, things that we can crave and desire, pride of life, the, you know, wanting to have power or, you know, being arrogant, right? A lot of those things are not sinful in nature, but Satan will use those things and those desires and try to get us to put them above God. Try to get us to say that I want these things more than I want to follow God. And that's when it becomes a trap. Uh, James speaks to this point in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, he says, Let no one say when I am tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. James here, he says, when you're tempted, don't turn your back on God. 
when you're tempted to do what's wrong, don't blame God because that's not God. That's Satan. And Satan is pouncing on those desires, which again, may not even be anything wrong, right? The desire to eat food, the desire to be in, uh, in comfort or be in person with someone else, right? Those are not sinful desires, but Satan will try to get us to put them above God. And so the Bible here is relevant because Satan is still using those things. The world has not changed that much, right? Yes, obviously we have technology. We have new countries that have come up since the Bible times, right? New political leaders, new political ideas. But when we boil it down, the world is still the same. People are still really the same. We haven't changed all that much since Jesus' time. We still want those things. We still want those desires. We still desire those things, I should say. And, you know, the, the things that Satan used, uh, that John points out for us, he uses them in the Garden of Eden with Eve and uh, with Adam and Eve. He uses them with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and the temptation there in the wilderness. And he uses the same things for us today. All right? That's the same thing that uh Satan is going to use against us today. He's going to use the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, yes, the world has changed, but Satan has not changed. He's just figured out how to package things differently. Uh, I like to use the analogy of, of, of McDonald's here. All right? If McDonald's is doing a promotional deal with some movie or TV show or, or whatever, then they are going to change their wrapping, right? change how their boxes look, change how... The food packaging looks. But if you go to McDonald's and you get a Big Mac, you're still getting a Big Mac, right? Nothing's changed about the Big Mac. It's just the outside that's changed. And that's what Satan has done to sin. He's changed the packaging. He's put a new shiny wrapper on it. Makes us get all, you know, shaky and excited about it. Even includes a toy. Right, even includes a toy. <laughs> but you the, get the happy meal. But the, but the Big Mac is still the same, right? The sin is still the same. And by no means am I, am I saying that McDonald's is sinful, but the point is... <laughs> we just drew that application. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. You can, you can say that if you want, but that's not what I'm saying. Point is, Satan is packaging sin in a different way, maybe than he did in the first century. Because we have new ways that Satan can put that desire in front of us, that he can kind of lead it, you know, put those breadcrumbs down to lead us away from God, right? Get us off the path. But it's still the same sins. He just presents them in a different way. And the Bible exposes that. Even though the Bible is an ancient document, the Bible is still relevant because it still gives us Satan's game plan because Satan hasn't changed his game plan. You know, a, a lot of times in sports, they'll talk about coaches making halftime adjustments, Right? This worked really well in the first half, so we're going to continue to do that. But this did not work at all in the second in the first half, so we need to change that. Or you know, our our opposition has been doing this really well in the first half, so we need to do this in order to stop them. Right? We see that a lot with football and with basketball. Right? Halftime adjustments. How how well is the team going to play in the third quarter? Satan is down at halftime. But he's not going to make any halftime adjustments. God knows his game plan. God gave us his game plan, and we still fall for it. 
but the Bible is there to give us those warnings. We have examples of the scripture of people falling short of the glory of God, as Paul put it in Romans 3 and verse 23. We have examples of people besting temptation and besting Satan in certain instances and not giving in to those desires. The Bible is relevant because it gives us examples of A, the world's not changed much, and B, Satan has not changed much. So C, here's how you deal with him. All right. Any other thoughts or any questions on that point? You kind of covered uh, even <clears throat> a little bit of the next point as well, that the world hasn't changed that, that much uh, as well. And that's a very important point as well to think about. Um, and we kind of already looked at throughout the scriptures and the explanations we've had. Of yeah, the world is still the world. People are still sinful and... Turning against God. Yeah, and that's a part of us following Satan's game plan as you've described it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you guys have on that point. I think that one's kind of covered as well. I mean, it's just the idea that, you know, like, like I said earlier, we still fall short of the glory of God every day. And for people like us who are trying our best to follow God and to serve God, that can be really, really discouraging. Um, I think of David uh, after his sin with Bathsheba, how grieved he was, especially while his child was sick uh, afterwards, the child that he and Bathsheba had because of their their, adult, their adultery. But, you know, and then we also look at Psalm 51 and just the, the brokenness of David's heart there because he knows that what he's done is wrong. But what we also have in Scripture is comfort. <laughs> we have encouragement. We have strength from God. We have God inspiring men and women to write psalms, to write poems, to write prophecy, to provide us with their example of what happens when they're in a difficult time. You know, we can look at so many of the psalms that David wrote while, you know, maybe he's on the run from Saul or, you know, he's, his nation is under attack or whatever the case may be. And David will so often start off the psalms with phrases like, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Lord, my enemies surround me. Lord, my enemies throw me into a pit. You know, phrases like that. But almost always the psalm ends with a message of hope because David knows that God is there for him and that God is protecting him and that God's going to comfort him. The scriptures give us so much comfort. Uh, I was reading through the Bible. This I'm trying to read through the Bible this year. And I came across a passage in Genesis that I don't know if I just hadn't read before or if I it just never sunk into me before but in Genesis chapter 35 we have the story of Jacob returning home of course we, we remember earlier in his story that he had uh, stolen the birthright the the inheritance of his older brother Esau and of course his brother didn't like that too much and threatened to kill Jacob and so Jacob ran away and uh, found work as a, as a shepherd and eventually married uh, and you know had had some children and, and became wealthy enough to own his own flocks. And now he's coming back home and he's been reunited with his brother, with his brother Esau and, and reconnected. Uh, but he, he's coming back home 
And he's in uh, Genesis chapter 35 and verse 3, Jacob says, Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. The ESV, I think, phrases it even better. Uh, does anyone actually have an ESV on them? I, I have a New King James on my lap. Perfect. Thank you, my brother. All right. Genesis 35.3. I really like the way that the ESV phrases this passage. Uh, the, end of the, the end of this passage in chapter, or, uh, chapter 35, verse 3, the end of it says, I will make an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. I just when I when I was reading through the Bible I just I stopped there because that passage just was so inspirational for me because Jacob recognized that God has been with him through the ups and through the downs wherever he's gone wherever he's traveled that God has been there with him and that passage just brought so much comfort to me because there's a lot of uncertainty in this life there's a lot of things that we don't know about a lot of things that are going to happen that catch us off guard. But God has promised to be with us all the way. That just provides me with so much comfort and so much peace to know that God is always going to be there. And we, we can find the same thing when God is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt in the book of Exodus. Right? The, uh, we, we see there that the pillar of cloud remained day and night. God was always with the people of Israel. He was protecting them. He was guiding them. He was lighting the way. And he was leading them. And I just think of passages like that. And, you know, think of Psalm 23. I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was having a rough night. You know, just a lot of my mind worried about uh, friends and, and family members and things like that. And I just, I was just overwhelmed. And I, I started crying and, and my, my girlfriend just, you know, sat with me and, and held me for a little bit and then showed me Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I should probably have this open because I can't quote it all off the top of my head right now. Uh, da -da 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 -da. I apologize for my unpreparedness. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before, the, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's just such a beautiful psalm. David is in just a, a state of distress, a state of grief. He's going through the valley of the shadow of death. He's in trouble. He's in pain. He's in distress, but he knows that God is there. So he's not worried. He knows that God is going to comfort him and protect him and lead him. 
And he knows that if God's with him, who can be against him? As Paul put it in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Which is another just beautiful passage right there. The end of Romans chapter 8, talking about how nothing can truly separate us from the love of God. Which is, I mean, there's passage after passage after passage that we could go to for different things. Whether we need strength or encouragement or comfort or joy or peace, whatever we need, the Bible can provide it. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're feeling, the Bible can help us with it. You want to know how the Bible is relevant? Because it still speaks to us today. We can look at the Bible, and we can read the Psalms and the Proverbs and the Prophets and the messages of Jesus and of Paul and of Peter and all of these other men and women. We can look at them and say, wow, the Bible cannot be given to us by men. There, there's just no way that it was a man-made document. We see that the Bible is written by many different people from many different backgrounds, many different walks of life, many different periods of time. But yet they fit together so perfectly to tell us this amazing story of God's love for us. Which I think leads us into a perfect segue for our last point. Uh, we've, we've talked about already that the Bible is relevant because it is God's word, because it shares with us stories of real life people going through some of the same real-life problems that we have today. And it talks about God's plan for us. It talks about how the enemy of God and what his plan for us is. We can know both of those things from the Scripture. We've talked about how the world has not changed that much. Right? How Satan is still using the same tricks that he used beforehand. We've talked about how the Bible provides us with comfort and encouragement and help when we are in need but all of those things are just benefits from reading the Bible. Because the main point of the Bible is to tell us about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The Gospels say Jesus was here. And the rest of the New Testament says Jesus is coming back. Mm -hmm. right? Old Testament, Jesus is coming. Gospels, Jesus is here. The rest of the New Testament, Jesus is coming back. That's the whole point of the Scriptures. Everything that we have in the Bible is to point us to Jesus. And everything in the Bible points us to salvation. Um, and throughout Scripture, we see that it really is just a, the greatest love story ever told. And the fact that we have the, the Scriptures to show us what we must do in order to be saved is truly an amazing fact and truly an amazing encouragement. Um, and this is where we'll plug another episode because Nature of Salvation talks about what we must do in order to be saved. And so if you're, if you're interested in learning more about that, we encourage you to go check out that episode um, because it was Jesus' blood that has provided this way of redemption for our lives. And we have the ability to uh, know what we need to do, but the question is, is, will we go and obtain it? And so we have to make that decision for ourselves. And it's ultimately um, a decision that only you can make. We can't make it for you. You have to make that personal decision. Alex, you got anything to add? Hmm. It's okay if you don't. We're not forcing you to speak. <laughs> no. On that point, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think they'll go on that point. Necessarily. 
So then, I guess the question becomes, are what are some applications that we can draw away from this, uh, from what we've talked about today? I really like the last point. Um, I always have really, I've grown to really like the phrase, the path to salvation uh, was paved with Jesus' blood. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of give me an idea of if you want to get to heaven, if you want to reach that goal, you need to follow Jesus' blood, and more you need to follow what his life was like. The only way we can actually know that is if we look in the Bible. And if the Bible wasn't relevant, then how can we have any hope for salvation? And so when we think about application, I think a good place to start is to think about the very obvious. Because the Bible is relevant, we do have a hope of salvation. If we continue to work back a little further past that, maybe rewinding almost through the points, we also know that, yes, the world hasn't changed. We see that in the Bible. And so we can, by application, take what we saw in the Bible and learn from what happened. We can learn from uh, what Jesus' life was like, Moses' life, Job's life. We can learn from every, anything in the Bible, really. And so I think when we want application, I think that's a good place to start and to look. Looking at the stories it has and keeping in the back of your mind, this actually happened. And I and to add on to that, you know, earlier we... we we were talk, talking about, you know, why does this topic even matter, right? Why are we talking about it? And we, we mentioned that if the Bible's not relevant, then we don't need to follow it today. Well, the whole point of this episode was to prove that the Bible is relevant. And so since the Bible is relevant, there is need to follow it, right? Like you said, Alex, we have examples of people in the scriptures, both good and bad for us. But as we've already mentioned, the primary example needs to be that of Christ, right? We are Christians, when we look at the original meaning of that word, it's either little Christs or Christ-like. Right? I've, heard, I've heard people say both. But the point remains the same for either one, that we are supposed to be an image of Christ. We are supposed to be doing some of the things that he was doing. Now, obviously, we can't do all of the things that he did. We can't perform miracles. We can't heal people. Right? And we definitely can't die on the cross for other people's sins because we have our own sins holding us back. Jesus didn't have any sins of his own. And that's why he was able to be that perfect sacrifice so that his blood was, as you said, Alex, able to pave the way for us to go to heaven. Right? Jesus' blood paves the narrow way. Right? The narrow way that leads to heaven is paved with Jesus' blood. I, really, I love that analogy so much because, as Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, if you want to get to the Father, you have to go through me. Right? And that's not him saying, oh, if you want to, you know, you've got to beat me up to go beat up this other guy, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to be with God, you have to go through me, to go through my blood. And that's not a, you know, a, a literal thing there. He's referring to baptism, which represents his blood that purifies man and that 
cleanses man of their sins. The Bible is relevant because, or excuse me, we need to follow the Bible because it is relevant. And we need to follow the commandments and the teachings of what we see in there in context. Going back to what we talked about earlier, we need to make sure that we are understanding the Bible in context. And I think that's really a good place to wrap it up because we've given you a lot to think about, I think, and we have, uh, we, yeah, we have a lot to uh, meditate on and to pray about and to uh, consider as we uh, move forward in our Christian walk. I know this has been a beneficial study to me, Isaiah, and Alex, and I hope it has been a beneficial study to you as well, um, to you the listeners at home. Uh, we want to encourage you to keep on checking out the podcast that we recommend. Um, of course, we'd recommend all of them um, because, I mean, we, we record all of them, but um, <laughs> we encourage you to check them out as well. Uh, Alex, uh, it, it, it was ironic that you liked this really last point because I thought at first it was because you are just liking it because we plugged your episode um but (laughs) yeah but it is a very good point regardless um and his episode is plugged in the process so it's a double whammy Mm -hmm. but we are thankful (laughs) that uh you tuned in today and that you listened to us or whatever time of day you're listening to us um we're thankful for that uh and we are we hope that you'll give us another listen on one of our uh, other episodes and to share like and comment on our episodes tell us what you liked what you didn't like all the things in between. Um, if you have any harsh criticism, just email it to us. Don't even put it on social media um, because that's not the way to go. Uh, and we have social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all those platforms through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. If you search us, we'll more than likely pop up. If we don't, we can send you the link to follow us or whatever you want to do. Um, and let's see. We also have a phone number and an email address. You can find that located on our website, tteoj.com. And if there's anything else that we can help you with, please reach out to us. We want to be the best resources that we can for you. And we want to help you understand this topic further if you don't understand it completely. So reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to assist you in any way that we possibly can. If there's nothing further from you guys, um, I think we're going to close this out in prayer. Father, we are thankful for the time that we get to come together, that we get to open up your word, that we we get to consider uh, the relevancy of scripture and Consider the question, is this truly applicable to our lives today? Does the Bible play any sort of uh, role in our life? And we see from your word that it truly does, that it brings a whole bunch of relevancy to our lives today because there are so many stories throughout Scripture that relate to us today. We may not see it at the beginning, but whenever it's explained to us and we see and we compare historical context and we compare different things in Scripture, we see that Man, these stories really do relate to us, and they really have a powerful meaning. We pray that we can approach Scripture through a different lens, that we can approach it with the idea of what is Scripture trying to teach me? Uh, What is the Bible trying to teach me in my life today, and how can I best apply it? And I pray that we can each do that so we can have a better understanding of your Word, and we can deepen our faith in the process. Most importantly, Father, we're thankful for your Son, Jesus, who died for our sins, because without that sacrifice— None of this would be possible to even discuss. Uh, the The plan of salvation would be done away with, and we would just be uh, we would just be stranded in the dark per se. We we wouldn't know what to do with our lives, and so we're just th- so thankful for that plan of redemption, and we're thankful for your love that you show to us on a continual continual basis. Be with us, Father, strengthen us, and guide us. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.